Lord, Word made flesh, we pray that as we come to this Word that, you would, that we would be open to being surprised. We pray that you would silence our agendas, that you would banish our assumption, that you would cast out our casual detachment. Confound our expectations, clear the cobwebs from our ears, penetrate the corners of our heart with this word. We know that you can, we pray that you will, and we wait with great anticipation. Amen. This morning, I want to talk about this idea of breathing. Have you ever had a moment when somebody had to tell you, you need to remember to breathe? I remember a few years ago, I started running with my pal, Carlos. You guys may know him as the UPS guy. I had never ran before uh, more than like a sprint in basketball. And so we started running long distances, and he started us off on what I thought was eternity of a few miles. And I remember as we were running and, and we were, um, I was starting to get red, I was starting to feel like I might die, he would tell me, Logan, you need to remember to breathe. And actually, not just breathe, right now with all this going on, you need to concentrate on your breath. Breathing in, breathing out. And I found that there was something really helpful in running and in, and in working out and in, and, and, in, and in exercising where as you concentrate on your breathing, it helps you in moments where you feel a little overwhelmed or a little exhausted. It seems to me that this idea, this principle, doesn't just apply to physical exhaustion, there are moments that I believe we're hearing this moment in this passage where perhaps maybe you feel a little overwhelmed, maybe a little anxiousness, maybe moments where you feel panic coming on or fear coming on. Perhaps this year's crops aren't going the way that you hoped they would go. Perhaps there's an unseen challenge in your life. Perhaps in your marriage there's some struggles or in your relationships or you have a child who is wayward or who is struggling or, or you've, you've had a, a diagnosis from a, a doctor. Perhaps you just have these days when panic seems to creep in and you find yourself feeling like someone is sitting on your chest and you can barely breathe. Can't under, you don't understand why, but you're overwhelmed. I believe today in this text, we get a beautiful reminder for those moments that maybe you feel right now or you felt this week. And it's simple, simply this, remember to breathe. In the context here, in this passage, we've been going through First and Second Kings in our reading plan. I would encourage you, if, you're, if you, if you want to follow along, we have reading plans in the back every week. We, we've been reading through Kings, and then we've been preaching through that and commenting, and it's been really fun and also really challenging, because as we've been looking through the book of Kings, 
to be honest, it's pretty violent. It's, it's pretty overwhelming. We see time and time again these leaders, these, these men who are meant to lead God's people making horrible, if not evil, decisions. And they choose, instead of doing what is right in the eyes of God, they choose to do what is evil. To the point of child sacrifice, to the point of cannibalism and, and horrible things. And we see all of this. And in this moment that we read here in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's this king of, of uh, Aram, I think, I believe, Syria. And the king wants to attack the, 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 the people of Israel. But he seems to keep getting thwarted. And he's confused. It's like he, he, he shows up and it's like they already knew what was going on. And it seems that there's an informant in his people that seems to be telling the people of Israel what is going on. And so he's sitting around with his leaders and he says, who is with the king of Israel? Who's the traitor in the room? Who's the snitch? And one of the guys says, actually, they got this guy named Elisha. He's a prophet. And the Lord has been telling him what you say in your bedroom. And we can't stop this. And so the king, it says that he's deeply troubled and he sends his army to surround the city that Elisha is in. And we pick up this moment when the servant of Elisha wakes up in the morning and they're surrounded. And it says this, it's this moment where he really needs a reminder to, be, to remember to breathe. Look at what it says here. Verse 15 says, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning, he got his cup of joe, thinking about what's coming for the day, says that he went out, behold. Behold is like a, all of a sudden, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city, and the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Alas, my master, we are surrounded. All seems lost. We, I don't see a way out. How are we going to survive this? Look, this is soldiers and chariots around us coming to creep in on us. They start, he starts to feel the panic. Maybe give him a paper bag, right? And in this moment, I believe that Elisha basically looks to him and basically says, you need to remember to breathe. You need to remember to breathe. And as you breathe, recognizing there's two pieces to breathing. First, there's a breathing in, and second, a breathing out. In the first case, in these moments when he is, when we feel surrounded, in this moment when this servant is surrounded, there's this truth that we need to remember to breathe in God's presence. We need to remember to breathe in his promises, to remember who our God is. Notice what happens here in verse 16. It says, he, Elisha, said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
It seems to be that Elisha here has an awareness to something much bigger than what we can physically see in the moment. Because in the moment, all the servant sees is, it's me and you, Elisha, and them. And Elisha says, no. There is an unseen spiritual reality happening right now that you have forgotten, dear friend. There is this cosmic battle that the scriptures tell us time and time again that is happening on earth in our midst all the time. And in this moment, there's this reality happening. And it's not just true here. We also know in Ephesians, it says that our battle, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual beings and authorities and principalities. And Elisha is reminding this servant in this moment when his perception of what he sees physically is starting to creep in and he's feeling surrounded and he's feeling overwhelmed and he's feeling uh, anxiety and fear. He's telling him, remember God's promises. Remember what is true. Perhaps he's recalling the psalm, Psalm 27, when the psalmist says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an enemy, look at what he said, look at what it says here. Though an enemy encamp against me, my heart inwardly shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be what? Confident. Breathe it in. When you feel surrounded, Breathe in the promises of God. The realities of our confession of what we believe, of what it means to be a people of faith. But remember, there's also a breathing out. If all we did was breathe in, we would all be dead. This is the physical reality. Breathing in is two actions. There's a breathing in, taking air in, and breathing out. And so as we think about these moments of being surrounded, we see here Elisha is telling the servant, okay, we breathe in, and then he says, let's breathe out prayer. Let's breathe out words to God. Let's ask God to open up our eyes to see the spiritual reality. This is exactly what happens here. Look at verse 17. It says, Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, what did he see? The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This was the reality that he saw. God's very presence all around him in that moment, and as we read on, we see that this leads to victory, that this leads to this confidence. And there's this beautiful reality that the Lord reveals to Elisha and his servant. 
Reminds me of perhaps Psalm 125 too, one of the songs that the people have been singing for, for ages. It says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. And so we read this and we think, awesome, I get that, Logan. I, I understand that, Logan, but here's the problem. I can't see the angels. <laughs> like, I, 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 I see this, and I'm praying, and I'm asking the Lord to, to open up my eyes, but I, I don't see them. I open my eyes, and it's still just all you people. You're beautiful, but you're not angels. As we look at this, it seems to me here that there's some really good truths for us that when you can't see it, when you can't see the angels, when you can't feel the presence, when you, you don't know how God is at work, there's still principles here that we need to remember. This is what it means to be a confessional church. To be a people of faith. What is faith? What is the definition of faith? It's to believe in what you do not see. And so when you cannot see, I believe there's some important truths for you and I. And the most important thing that I always that I was thinking about as I was studying this and thinking about how this relates to you and me and, and really these moments when maybe we're overwhelmed with, with, with grief or we're just like, God, I just don't see it. I don't know why you would let this happen. I don't know why you would take this person away. I don't know why you wouldn't protect me from this. I don't know why. And we have these questions and we have these laments and we have these troubles and anxieties and we, and we feel this. I was reminded of another moment later on in the Gospels when our Lord Jesus sees angels. It says that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was with his disciples. And it says that, that, that Judas Iscariot comes on and he kisses him on the cheek and betrays him. And then guards come in and they surround Jesus and his disciples. And Peter pulls out his sword. And you remember what Jesus says in that moment? Do you remember in that moment what Jesus says? Look at what he says. Matthew chapter 26, it says, Jesus says this to Peter. He says, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, Peter? And he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. In other words, there's 72,000 angels ready to go right now, Peter. But Christ our Lord, who was aware of the heavenly realms at all times, chose in that moment the cross. When he could have brought in his angels to defeat Rome, to defeat all of this, he knew that the ultimate, the most, the, the, the most deepest, darkest problem is not around me, but within me. The humanity's ultimate issue is not the circumstance, but the heart. 
That all the way back in in Genesis chapter 3, when we fell and we sinned against the Lord our God, we have been struggling with sin, and we see this time and time again in the books of the Kings. We see this time and time again, even in the heroes of the Old Testament, of even the, the greatest of the heroes, fall. And we've been longing for one who will come to not just fix our surroundings, but do something in our heart. And Jesus, in this moment, when he had all the right in the world to call upon his angels, says, no, I'm going to keep them at bay because of the cross. Because he knew that he would go to a cross, and by his death and his resurrection, there would be even more power and authority, not just around us, but hear this, within us. It tells us this in Colossians chapter 2 as we think about our battle against, against this in the spiritual realms. It tells us about Jesus' power over darkness and evil. It says, when you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, your struggle, I don't understand what I do for what I hate I do and what I want to do I do not do. And you, when you're feeling that moment, it says, God did what? Made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. When Christ died, our sin was put on him. His righteousness is given to us. And having disarmed, look at what it says, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. When you can't see it, brothers and sisters, look at the cross. When you can't see it, remember the eternal story. Remember that the battle is won, that this life is just a a, a wisp of eternity belonging to our Father. When you can't see it, remember the cross. When you are confused about what you will do, remember the truths of 1 John 4, 4 that says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When Romans 8.31 says, what shall we say then to these things, this overwhelming anxiety, this this, I don't know how we're going to make it, what shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? Do we believe this? This is what it means to be a confessional church. So when you can't see it, beloved, remember this, Jesus does. Jesus saves, and his spirit lives in his people. When you can't see it, remember Jesus does. Jesus saves. His spirit lives in his people. And in light of his death and resurrection, in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, We aren't just surrounded by the presence of God. We are indwelt with the very presence of God. Do you believe this? 
Do you believe that God has given us his spirit, the great counselor in perplexity, the great comfort in sorrow, the great paradox that in some of the most hardest, most difficult times, God's beloved people are able to still have this unexplainable joy and sorrow? Because we believe this to be true. And here's the beauty, here's the power of this. Not only do we believe that our King Jesus has dealt with sin, has dealt with evil, has dealt with all the evil surrounding us, we know that there is this this delegated, this transferred authority that happens to all who have put their faith in Jesus. It tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have power, divine power, to do what? To destroy strongholds. Those are lies that are being spoken to you. Those are, those are attacks against your very person, and through Christ, we have authority over the enemy. Amen. Through Christ, you can say, you are not welcome here to spiritual forces. This is the reality of what it means to be the people of God. It says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is We believe in this reality that Jesus changes everything and he does something in our hearts. And so in those moments when you are overwhelmed, in those moments when you feel anxiety creeping in, in those moments when you are surrounded, beloved, remember to breathe. Remember to breathe. Remember to breathe in the word and promises of God and breathe out the words to God. Remember to breathe. What does this look like for you and I today? First, we're to breathe in the word of God. In first, uh, in e- Ephesians 6, when it talks about it talks about that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It also talks about putting on the full armor of God. I would encourage you, if you want some good reading on this, go read Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. Go read of what it looks like to be a people who are putting on the armor of God, who are reading his promises, who are asking his word to, to, to indwell us, who are in faith community and sharing what it means to be a follower who are, who are living in that battle. Breathe in. Breathe in the word of God. And second, breathe out words to God. There was this book called Deeper by an author named Dane Ortland. He had a chapter that was stuck with me, and he talks about what we call uh, spiritual discipline, how to grow in your faith, and he brought, broke it down so simply. 
if we are a people who can just constantly be breathing in the word of God and breathing out prayers to God, that is how we grow. We're asking him through his word, and that's not just reading his words, that's also what we're doing right now as we learn from his, from his word and faith community, as we go in our small groups and our Bible studies, and we seek to, to understand these high, sacred things from God that he, by his revelation, has given us that are for us today. And we breathe that in, and then we breathe out prayers to him, asking him, Lord, would you give me the eyes to see what is really happening? Would you give me the ears to hear what you're really saying? Would you help me? Would you open up my eyes to see your angels? See, we read this passage in Kings, and for some reason, I think we read this and we think, oh, that doesn't happen today. There's not any sort of cosmic stuff happening today. That's just kind of like fairy tales from back then. But that's, that's not what the scriptures tell us. They tell us actually right now, in this very moment, in this very space, there is spiritual cosmic battle happening. And you are a battleground. But if you are a follower of Christ, you have the spirit living in you and the words of Christ and his person speaking through you and you are a warrior in his army. You are a walking beacon of his light. You aren't the light. He is the light in you. Let that light out. Breathe it out. Speak it. Declare it. Pray it. Repeat. Repeat. And as we live in this, reminded of this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, pray without ceasing. Now, does that mean that I just walk around constantly saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us. That's not what it's saying. It's, it's telling you that we are invited into a right relationship with God and we are to live from a posture of dependence and prayer. And prayer is not just speaking to God, it's listening to God. It's listening to that little feather's touch of his spirit that you could totally ignore it or you could respond to it. And that's what we're invited into. And so as you do this, remember to breathe. When you feel surrounded, breathe in his word, breathe out words to him, but hear this, beloved, rest in the sovereignty of God. Rest in the sovereignty of God. As I've been reading through First and Second Kings, I have found myself constantly reminding myself, Logan, we, got, we get to rest in the sovereignty of God. In those times, I imagine the the, the Israelite remnant, people who are faithfully trying to follow the Lord, who are seeing all of this evil around them, who are seeing their leaders, who are seeing family members drift from, from, from following the Lord, they are being reminded through this, these stories, they are being reminded even from this passage to say, I know that we're in exile, I know that we're in Babylon, and it seems like all is lost, but the same God of Elisha and Elijah and King David and Moses and Father Abraham is the same God that we serve and that we worship. So we breathe in these truths and we breathe out our prayers. 
And those were generations after generations who had to believe that one day God would come and, and fulfill his promises. I love just the story of Elisha. We read about it this week. Elisha asked for a double portion. A little extra credit for you. It's just super fun. So it's, if you look at Elijah and Elisha, it says that Elisha asked for a double portion. If you look at all the miracles that Elisha does, there's two of everything that Elijah does, except for one. Elisha only resurrects one person. And then he dies. And we think, oh, God, you, you missed one. And then there's this random story where this guy falls into a hole where Elisha's, the tomb of Elisha, we, we sang it today, and what happens? It says that he falls into the bones of Elisha and he is resurrected. We look at the cup, we look at the wine, we look at this invitation that you and I are to a story. And we can rest in the sovereignty of our God. That he knows all and that he's working behind the scenes in ways that are far greater than we could ever ask or imagine. One of my favorite preachers, Charles Spurgeon, says this, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the child of God rests his head at night, giving perfect peace. In those moments when you're overwhelmed, in those moments when you can't breathe, I extol you, breathe, Rest in the sovereignty of God. The very name of God is Yahweh. Think about that. If you could, you just concentrate on your breath for a second right here. Breathe in. Breathe out. What noise are you making? When we were created, and it says that God spoke a very life that we have. He breathed his life into me. Have you ever thought about the truth that our very breath reminds us of his presence? Rest in his sovereignty. I'd like to close with just a wonderful testimony that we got to have this week. Just last week after church, dear family of ours was having lunch. And they were, they were praying. Eddie Hooksrow was praying with his friends. And he said, Lord, be with our children. He didn't know that just later that afternoon, his son, Noah, and Weston, Bausma would get in a really horrible car accident. And they would get thrown through the windshield of their car. An accident that, quite frankly, we don't live through. That he would get a call from a random truck driver who happened to stop by, who said that they're both alive. Who would have random ladies show up and pray over them at the accident. 
that have these two boys in our congregation worshiping with us today. Rest in the providence of God. And there are times when God just protects us and works and moves among us, and there are times when he doesn't. We must be a people that worship him in all times. So I invite you, church, let's keep breathing. You may feel surrounded, or when you feel surrounded, or you know somebody who feels surrounded, don't stop breathing. And let's continue to be a people that look to the cross, and right now, we get to be invited into literally taste the truths that we've gotten to learn today. To taste the body broken for you and the blood shed for you. Don't miss this chance, beloved, to breathe together. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this reminder. Thank you, God, that you are the God who surrounds us with your armies, the God of angel armies is with us. You, you encamp around your people. You are constantly on the move, working behind the scenes. You inhabit our praise. You inhabit our prayers. God, may we be a people that continue to pray without ceasing. May we be a people who continue to breathe in the reminders of your covenantal promises to us. May we be a people who, as we breathe in your word and you reveal the sin in our lives, the ways that we've wandered, God, that we would confess those sins, that we would turn from those, and that we would turn to you, Jesus. That we would eat of your bre bread, that we would break with you in communion, that we would drink of your cup, that we would receive the forgiveness of our sins through your death. So as you feed us in this sacrament, I pray, God, that this would be a special time of communion, a special time for your people to be reminded that not only are we surrounded, we are also indwelt. And may you give us the authority that comes from only you. And we pray this together in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit.